podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. I'm joined today by Kay Canyon. How are you doing, Canyon? I'm dead because Paul George has killed me. <laughs> Listen, the game's a game, man. You know that. He, he he resurrected you in game three, and now now what you got, man? And now, now you got me getting Ubers at ten to six in the morning. <laughs> so we won't, we won't say too much. We won't say too much. I come across to uh, someone who I know who who was happy with the Suns win last night. Craig, how's it going, bro? We must remain calm. <laughs> the job isn't finished yet, Morale. Job not finished. Well, we must remain job calm. Finished? Job finished. Job not finished. So you know, <laughs> exactly. We just, we just wait. Um, so before we get into the series, let's talk about um, the week's NBA news. So uh, Rick Carlisle has been confirmed as a Pacers coach, signing a four-year, twenty-nine million dollar contract. Chauncey Billups has been confirmed as the Portland Trailblazers coach, and it looks all but set for Jason Kidd to become the Dallas Mavericks coach. Uh, also, Team USA Basketball has confirmed a 12-man roster for the Olympics. Bam Adebayo, Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Dame Lillard, Kevin Love, Chris Middleton, and Jason Tatum. Um, I'll start with UK. Um, let's start with the Team USA news. Uh, you're making quite the face there. Um, what are your thoughts? Obviously, 16, 12, and 8. Um, all, all gold medal winners, but what are your f- thoughts on those um, teams? You were listening and it started well, then it just started getting a bit early. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it should be enough. Like, you've got, I heard the buzzwords, I heard Dame, um, Bradley, um, KD, obviously Jason Tatum, first Tatum international ball. Um, I know the Middleton, I'm not, they got the ghost of Kevin Love in there, so I'm not really sure. And I'm not sure your name was like the other big man, but I probably think they'll probably go by a small ball with pop, a lot of ball movement. And I'm surprised KD said he would join because we know he's been on them load management minutes this year already. So to even be going to Tokyo and not really have an off-season should be interesting. But I think that might be a case of him just playing his way into shape because we kind of saw by the end of the playoffs that he was very much at full at full force. So he could just be playing his way into shape for the start of the season. But yeah, the roster, there's not really much you can really expect, really. I think it should be more than enough to, say, walk through the Olympics. But... Yeah, and it's a decent sign nonetheless with a few like outliers in there. Yeah, yeah, I think again that stood out to me with Jeremy Grant. I mean, he's had a good season for uh, yeah. the Pistons, but we know a lot of the first choice guys have been injured this season, so they're spending the summer uh, recuperating. And I know Chris Paul, who was invited, said that he'd decline if uh, the Suns got to the finals, which touching wood, remain calm. Look like it's going to happen. Uh, coming across to you, Greg, um, from the news from this week, which news stands out to you and what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's happening in, in, in Dallas. They've what gotten rid of the coach in Carlisle, the assistant coach left yesterday and the GM, am I correct, left a, a few weeks ago? Yeah. So that's really interesting. Mar- I think what I was reading or what I was hearing through the grapevine is that with Jamal Mosley, he was a uh, coach who's really popular with the players. Um, yeah. And I think in not endorsing him and endorsing Jason Kidd for the coach's role, that's Rick Carlisle, that is, that was kind of like, you know, very I'm obvious, a very obvious snub. 
Yeah, and then with uh, in regards to Team USA, I mean, like, obviously the international competition has, got, has gotten better in recent years, but Team USA are pretty much always a lock to win that gold medal. Um, I wouldn't really expect them to be upset. Uh, no, not they're not rolling out the powerhouse they did in 2012 with LeBron, Kobe, KD, and Melo. But um, yeah, this is more than enough to get it done. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, I think a lot of the the guys that we we watched for Team USA over the last two three Olympics, uh, they're in their mid to late 30s now, or, or have had injuries in the last year. So it's the it's the beginning of a new cycle, a new generation. I mean, I say a new generation. Dame Lillard's uh, 30 odd. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Olympics. I know it's not a hundred percent confirmed to be going ahead from what I'm reading, but yeah, that 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 will be a team that I expect to win the gold quite comfortably. Uh, Kevin Love, um, surprised that he he's been called up. To be honest with you, um, is, is that a surprise to you too, too, or do you think it's that sort of ability to stretch the floor? He he, he gobbles up rebounds as well. Um, yeah, they're gonna stick his ass on the post. I can't wait for Greg to say, listen, mate, none of this like stretch four nonsense you've been doing for the last four years. Stand under the basket. <laughs> and if it's, a, if it's a fast break, you throw them one-handed full court joints. But yeah, it's yeah, a bit of a surprise. There to do. Throw out that passes. <laughs> He's a very good rebounder, to be fair to him. And you've got him and Bam. Bam's the more mobile one. Love can actually play the more traditional four slash five. So I think he'd actually be quite well utilised this Olympics, by, especially by Pop. So it should, it should be interesting. Agreed, agreed. But with, with all that being said, let's get into uh, the reason why we're here. Uh, it's Western and Eastern Conference Finals time. So last night we had Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals, an 84-80 to 80 win for the Suns. Today take a 3-1 series lead, headed back to Phoenix. 84-80, to 80, Greg. That's bringing back the classic scoreline no, of, the, of the early 2000s. But what I will say is while that era kind of um, was known for gritty, hard-nosed defense and, and slow-paced basketball. This was just a lot of talented offensive players not being able to to find the bucket. And um, what were your thoughts on yesterday's game? Um, I mean, obviously, the, the main takeaway, as you as you mentioned, there is the fact that it was so low-scoring. I saw a statistic. Uh, I don't want to get it wrong, but I, I believe it said something like every game this season, a team has hit eleven threes combined, or Every game of this playoffs, um, excuse me. Every game of this playoffs, a team has uh, hit eleven threes individually in terms of per team, and in this game they combined for nine three pointers. So, that, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a game where both teams managed to sink nine three pointers. But it really shows you, like, if the three isn't falling, what are the other options for your team? And we know the Clippers, their offense is a drive, kick three, and, and inshallah. Uh, the Suns have a have a much more well-rounded offense, and you saw Aiton has uh, played really well over the last two games, uh, cleaning up the offensive glass. You know, nice touches around the paint. He doesn't. He can hit the mid-range, but he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't, or he he's he's controlled the number of mid-range shots that he's taken in this game. Although he did have a nice Kobe-esque fadeaway <laughs> on the right baseline. <laughs> I think it was in the second quarter, which was nice to see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 been interesting to see the back and forth. Obviously, from the Clippers' perspective, they're down Kawhi, uh, who's their best player, and it opens up a lot of things for them. And then they've played, I think it was it, 17 games in, in 32, 34, 36 game, uh, nights. So they've pretty much played every other day for the last month, uh, which you can just tell is killing their legs. You you see Paul George and, and the shots he's taken. taken. Uh, a lot of them are not necessarily bad shots, 
Um, although he is forcing quite a lot, but a lot of them are not necessarily bad shots, but you just see they're just falling short. And when you have a team that is as good as shooting the three, we all know that saying, live by the three, die by the three. And now, you know, Beverly may not be hitting as much. Uh, Reggie Jackson is just immune, so he, he's turned into Steph Curry light. But uh, outside of those guys, you know, you, you're seeing the missed three-pointers because their legs aren't under them. Uh, and then on the other side with Phoenix, Booker has really struggled uh, the, these uh, in this series. Obviously, he had the, the great game one, but since then has really struggled. Beverly has been harassing him. Chris Paul doesn't have his legs under him on his, on his jump shots. You see, they have finally adjusted and not let him get to that right elbow mid-range area because we know he shoots down near 90% from that from that range. Um, but he doesn't have his legs under him as much. Bridges isn't hitting the three as much. Jay Crowder was one of six or one of seven last night. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's real grit and grind basketball. We back, baby. We back. Okay. <laughs> um, listen. You're, you're, you're a self-proclaimed Paul George fan, um, <clears throat> somebody who doesn't sip from the Chris Paul Kool-Aid. Um, what, what did you see in yesterday's game? And is that the end of the series or have the Clippers got one more in them? Yeah, first, um, yeah, first um, to the last question. Yeah, this one's definitely done. Suns in five. Um, purely because, like Greg said, 17 games and God knows how long. And yes, I can see you nodding like that. But yeah, man, um, I think... We loved, I think some of my friend of mine said, like, oh, we love providing context to the players. I feel like, oh, yeah, their legs are tired, blah, blah, blah. But not only that, they were taking some horrible shots. This, is, <laughs> this wasn't grit and grind basketball. This is YMCA ball. When you have that guy on your team who's just throwing up nonsense and everyone's looking around like, like, what's going on? Like, everyone's saying, um, I'm ready. Jack returns to Steph Curry light. Didn't know Steph Curry light shot 7 or 20. But... Eight of 24. Um, you, you didn't have a oh. good night yes, last night, but he's been good. He's been good this play. Yeah, he hit some, he hit some timely course. shots. I can't lie. Yeah, and I recently figured out like most of my friends are also colorists because they were in the same game. They were giving up Booker and a tiny bit of uh, what's his name? Um, Chris Paul. Meanwhile, they were shooting just as bad as Paul George. I was thinking there must be something going on here. It's the, it's the goggles. It's the goggles. Of the goggles so, yeah, the game wasn't... Yeah, they had. They think they had like a good six minutes where they could have... They were one behind and neither team was scoring. And it just wasn't pretty to watch because on one side, Clippers were settling for horrible shots. And on the other side, um, I think there was a few cases where the ball was basically in and out the basket from some threes from Chris Paul, Crowder. And there's also cases of they were actually rebounding and defending quite well for the first time all game because Zubach was getting more or less dunked on, even though he had a good double double by the stat sheets. Um, Aiton was pinning him and he was getting the ball whenever he wanted under the rim, so they really did well on the offensive glass and what it looked like. And yeah, like, I think this one's done purely because in the first half they were pushing the pace a bit, and I was surprised that the actual Clippers came back into it, which I don't think is any fault of the Suns, to be honest. That's just obviously the way basketball goes. They just hit a, they hit a rhythm. And all of a sudden, it came from like a 15-point game and it was down to like a one-point game. But in reality, I think as a whole, even with Booker struggles and CP3 struggles, like, they're still winning. And I saw a stat earlier, I don't want to get it too wrong, but I think it was the Clippers are, in, in, in these four games, they've outscored in total the Suns by 21 points, yet they've only won one. So clearly, something is wrong. Like, they're not executing towards the end. And I think one real thing that even though I hate to admit it, like, Chris Paul's presence has been amazing. Because even though the Suns were getting better and playing well towards the end of the bubble 
and they were coming, they were ascending as a team. Him just being there and making timely vet decisions, like drawing fouls in situations where you probably wouldn't think a young player probably just run down the floor, try and put another buck and try to like the game away. He was really calming them down in that sense, especially with like Booker's um, struggles. Um, there was a quote from Aiton who basically called him like Big Bro, like he's never played with someone who wanted to win as much as Chris Paul, and he's been the teaching. Yeah, so Mike Mark Wilbon, yeah, the spirit of Chris Paul really be living strong. Inject it, man. He's now clearly been said. He's now clearly been said by Aiton, who, as much as I've been trashing both players on the teams, he was the only player who can come away and said, I've played fantastically because there wasn't anything he couldn't do. I think he had four blocks, 19 points, and 20 rebounds. So he had a crazy game. He, um, obviously, like Rick said, he's been toning down the mid ranges. But there was little times he had the itch, hit the turnaround. He didn't even look at anyone. He caught the ball and just turned around and shot it immediately. That was the Sorette's him. And then he hit another mid-range. Uh, he tried to hit another mid-range, so he shot fairly quickly. But as a whole, he's cut it down throughout the playoffs, to be fair to him. And yeah, they don't really have an answer for him because Zubak can't stay in front of him. He's more or less underneath him the whole time. And when the Clippers go small, um, they don't really benefit defensively. So Aiton has been like the real, I think, game changer because... Yeah. Got no defense. Yeah, I think I think, I think they were improved their, the Suns have got to improve their rebounding because there were stretches in that game where the Clippers were grabbing every offensive rebound. Was only at the end it, sounds, it sounds weird to say when it sounds weird to say when uh when Aiton has twenty boards, but <laughs> you can't, you can't the last quarter, rebound alone. Yeah, it was only the last quarter to be best then because before um the Clippers couldn't grab anything, and this is when there were like key stretches where they think oh cool, one bucket and we're back into it. And of course, again, free throws. 90% Paul George, almost 88% is shooting 72% from the line this series. So, who's that? Paul George? Yeah, man. Paul George. Paul Jorge. We don't call him Paul George when he don't play well. So, <laughs> um, my guy, Paul Jorge, just be disgracing me. Um, missed the key free throw. Um, like, of course, but the like second, the second, second game in the series where he's, yeah. he's a big free throws down. I think. Um, where against the Jazz, they were able to go small in those last three games and really turn things around. I said after game one that the fact that Aiton's actually a threat offensively, and we'll, put up, we'll, put, we'll, put, <laughs> we'll put up 20 points efficiently, means that they can't do that and expect the same result. Gobert was yeah. a non-entity. So essentially, you're playing four and five offensively, and then you're playing four and five defensively. So you had a very clear mismatch you could continue to exploit. You don't have that with the Suns. And I think... If you're the Clippers, you have to be worried for Chris Paul and Devin Booker to shoot as poorly as they have, and for the Suns to still pull out the win. That's that's damning for the that's damning yeah. for the Clippers, and they're getting three shots. Yeah, go on. One thing that's not missed, Greg. So we saw it like four or five times last game, and even throughout the series, the double pick and roll up top with Crowder and Aiton. Crowder mm. pins his man and pops, and Aiton rolls almost every time. It's either a dime for an alley oop, or um, Aiton gets it and kicks it out. And they've well, done in game two, the they were running it non stop. And in game and three, anything, yeah, in game three, they went away from it and they brought it back a little bit more in game four. And that's uh, when they couldn't score. They need to go back to running that just continually because that, yeah, that is probably king. gives them their best looks offensively. And that five minute stretch of no buckets, shock when did they score? They ran the double pick and roll, and obviously, he's dished off to Aiden for the alley hoop. So, yeah, man, I think. This one's very much done. I don't think the Clippers really have much left in them. And this driver kicking inshallah stuff that Tyloo's been living off. <laughs> yeah, this, this stuff that, um, yeah, the driver kicking hallelujah joints. It works when you've got LeBron to an extent. 
But then now you've got less players who are playing well. You don't have Kawhi defensively or offensively. You can pick his spots probably as good as anyone in the league. You've got Paul George without his legs, forcing shots. And then you've got Reggie Jackson and one of the one of the Morris twins taking turnaround jumpers. It's not formula for success. But yeah, so, you know, we mentioned I mentioned it, I believe, on the last podcast I was on, and I forgot to post the link, and I said that I would. But there's a um there's a conference that happened uh, a few years ago, and it had the Warriors GM. I think it was the GM. Yeah, Paul Pierce yeah, was yeah. there. I want to say Zach Lowe was there as well. You may know the the, the, the video I'm referring to. Yeah, and they I do. Talk about the differences between the regular season and the playoffs. And one of the key things, it was uh, SSAC19 Basketball Analytics, Hunting for Unicorns. That's the video on YouTube. I'll post it on the Courtside Frackers Twitter. Um, and they talked about the difference between the regular season and the playoffs and how when you have these uh, eight-point leads or ten-point leads or deficits, sorry, to make up, or even when the score is tied, when you're in the postseason, you don't have your legs under you. Paul George damn near shot 50-40-90 this year, and he's shooting 69-70% from the free-throw line. We know they have no rest, and you look at the shots that they're getting, they had 12, uh, they were 0 for 12 on shots to tie or take the lead in the fourth quarter. 0 for 12. That screams tiredness, and it also screams a lack of good shot selection. Because if if you're on that team, from a coaching perspective and from a leadership perspective, if you're the point guard of that team or, or Paul George is the best player on that team, you should be able to set your, number one, set your defence. But number two, offensively is, okay, cool. The jump shots aren't falling. The three-point shots aren't falling. How, how can we get some easy buckets? You know, throw the ball into your big guy, let him go up, get fouled, get one point maybe uh, from the free throw line or whatever. Uh, you know, how can I draw a foul, pump fake in the post, get some free throws or something like that? Because it, like we saw in this game, it, it's 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 just a grind it out game. 84-80. When was the last time we saw a, a team score 80 points in the last couple of years? Very rare. You know, even the oh, lowest score, 95 kind of thing. Uh, and this is really a, to an extent, although efficient basketball is obviously preferred, to an extent, even inefficient basketball can win you a game so long as you get the shots up. And you saw that, you know, back in the early 2000s, you had guys like Iverson and Kidd and, and LeBron in the East. Like, okay, you had one offensive guy and then the, the rest of the guys on the floor were just defense and rebounding. And it's not the best way to play basketball, but to an extent, and, and when it gets to these type of games, it's just a matter of who can put up the most points uh, when, you have a, when you have a game where the ceiling is going to be 85 or 90 points. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, Kay, at this point, it's done. And we're looking at uh, Chris Paul making his first NBA Finals, the Phoenix Suns. They had we, must, the we must remain calm. <laughs> I want to hear his words, Morale. <laughs> Defeat the Phoenix Suns. Um, their first playoff berth in a decade, and they're going straight to the finals. The first finals for Aiton, who's been stellar throughout all the series. Devin Booker, um, who um, is struggling at the moment, but has had a really good playoffs as well. Um Let's look across to the Eastern Conference, uh, who they could potentially be facing. Um, so the Eastern Conference is coming off a game two win for the Bucks, a 125 to 91 blowout win for the Bucks in Milwaukee. Listen, they came out like they were fighting for their lives. 
And they were, they were. Obviously, with with the Hawks taking the first game, they really couldn't afford to to go back to um, Atlanta without at least um, having tied the series and, and split the game. And you could see that from from the first um, few minutes, they came out aggressive. They got. Um, Bogdanovich, who obviously isn't healthy, they got him in foul trouble. Giannis has finally decided to do what we've been begging him to do for years now. He just, listen, I just need to get to the rim. I just need to, <laughs> he's finally decided like all this, taking these step back threes and whatnot, like forget all that. I just need to keep getting to the rim as much as I can. Majority of the time, I'm going to get a foul as well because the way how quickly he moves, very rarely can guys get in position and plant their feet before he can move. So he's getting he's getting the fouls as well. Um, and yeah, they, they've tied that series up. I know you guys didn't um, catch the second game, but with the series going back to Atlanta, based on what you've seen of both teams in the first, second games, and um, so far this postseason, are you expecting? The Hawks to rebound from that battering. You expected no. the, the you you don't interesting. Expe- explain why. Um, I think what you're saying from this game is basically what shouldn't happen in the first game. I think the, the Hawks came out and just punched them in the mouth. Don't get me wrong, like Trey Young played well, um, John Collins played well and whatnot. But from the little I've seen of like the second game, like yeah, this is what we probably expected to happen in the second uh, four. Uh, for the Bucks, so I think they've probably realised, like you said, they want to go to Atlanta and not won any games at home, and frankly, even losing when they probably thought this is an embarrassment. Even though Hawks have every right to be in the conference finals, they probably thought, like, hold on, why can they come to our home court first game in the playoffs and bop us like that? And like I said, Yanis doing what he does. Like, who won that? Who won the Hawks team can actually stop Yanis if we're being really honest. Like, the wall might work, but he'll just jump over it if we're being very honest. Especially the, the Hawks can build because even though they improved defensively under, under McMillan. They ain't got it like that. And I think the thing in their favour is their explosive offence. So you got Drew on Trey, so he'll do his best, but Trey will get his regardless. Probably one of the best floaters in the league. And I think Trey's at his most dangerous in the pick and roll situation because you don't know what he's actually going to do, be it the floor, dishing it off for the alley-oop or something else. So, yeah, man, I don't think they've got enough to like deal with Milwaukee if they turn up and Bud decides to be sober for another three games but <laughs> yeah man like this shouldn't be it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a conversation personally but saying that so who knows I, I, i'll play you devil's advocate yeah go on you know and I, I i did say this once before i can't remember where i don't think it was on the pod i think it was either on twitter or, or in our group canyon um yeah. i don't want to take anything away from the hawks but when you look at the two teams they faced they faced the knicks in the first round we know that Mitchell Robertson was injured and we know that they struggle offensively, the Knicks do. Then they face the Sixers, they beat them in seven. We know Ben Simmons played poorly. We know that team was built around defence, didn't really have the offence to match and they're playing four and five when you consider Simmons. So this is the first time now that they're actually facing a decent offensive team, albeit that the Bucks are number three and you know they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm not totally stripping them away of, of, of their accolades, but... It is interesting to see that the first time they come up against a team that can actually play, you know, all five guys can actually shoot, score and whatnot, that game two, they're, they're, they're down by 40. Um, from, the, from the little that I have seen of game two, they seem to de- have defended the pick and roll. This is the Bucks seem to have defended the pick and roll a lot better. Uh, Lopez has finally stopped playing this drop coverage foolishness and it, <laughs> and is uh, actually coming out to the perimeter and, and moving his feet 
and just providing a little bit of resistance and pressure to Trey Young and not letting him get to his spots. Um, it is frustrating that I haven't seen a point guard yet isolate and, and bully Trey Young in the low post. Uh, I'm hoping, again, I haven't watched game two, so if Drew Holiday did this, then then uh, I apologise. But I haven't seen anybody make him work this postseason. And again, not taking anything away from Trey Young, I'm speaking from the perspective of the other teams here. I think that is something that needs to be exploited, uh, especially when you know he's running around an offense, expending all this energy. You need to make you need to, you need to make him work on the defensive end. Uh, as for the rest of the Bucks, Cannon, you touched on it. They don't really have the personnel to be able to guard a Yanis, uh, so I think he's going to be able to get his in this series. It's not going to be as ugly uh, as we've seen before, maybe against uh, the Nets when they were building that wall against him. Um, do I think that the net that the Bucks Bucks sorry are going to win the series in five? Probably. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks can 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 get get another win. Um, but yeah, sit maximum six games. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they win it in five. Uh, to an extent, when you get to these later stages of the playoffs, uh, second round at Eastern Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, I, I rarely predict sweeps unless it's something that I can clearly you know if there's a massive injury or just a, a super team. So five or six games, I think for this series. Yeah, yeah. That's, respectful. that's respectful for the Hawks. I mean, they they have a couple of injuries, so do, so do the Bucks. But when, when you look at Cam Reddish, who came back in Game Three, and obviously losing DeAndre Hunter, they're lo- looking at bodies you could potentially throw at Middleton, throw at Janis to to pick up fouls and keep those guys busy. Um, I'm expecting the the Hawks to come back. They showed a lot of personality in that series against uh, the 76ers. Came back from was it 25 down in Game Five. Um, so I'm expecting them to. Take that as yeah, you know what we got our split in Milwaukee. Now, come as, as Trey Young loves to say, come to the A. So uh, the, the the Bucks are going to come to the A, and I'm, I'm going to expect um yeah, I'm going to expect a much better offensive performance from them. But it'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see how this series develops. I actually want it to go. Uh, I want it to actually go a few games. The Bucks, the Bucks, uh, their weakness is that they love to give up perimeter jump shots, and if the Hawks can get hot from three. Then you know trouble is going to be on the horizon. So yeah, yeah, that's something I mean, they really need to actually work on and fix up. Yeah, and yeah I think they're, 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 yeah, I think they're lucky as well that Bogdanovich is carrying a, an injury as well. So the Bogdanovich we were seeing earlier in the playoffs hotting up the the Knicks um, and the early series against Philadelphia. Probably we won't see that Bogdanovich again in the playoffs. He's still a threat because listen, he's going to make open threes when when he gets the opportunity to make open threes. But in terms of being someone who can light the team up for 20, 25, 30, I think, yeah, in terms of this playoffs, they're not going to see that again. So you're looking at Trey, you're looking at Kevin Herter, you're looking at John Collins, who um, he's a funny one. He he picks up his points so quietly. Like you think he's just kind of running around. You look down, he's got like 15 and 10, an efficient 15 and 10. So um, he's had a good playoffs. And I know he, he rejected a, a 90 million contract at the start of the season. I think he's probably earned himself at least that amount of money if, if yeah. I'm not sure. I'll be interested to see what offers he gets. Okay. Um, I like Like you remember, you've heard me say on this very Pomera, I was a John Collins advocate, and you and Yas were saying, No, 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 just watch (laughs) him make sure he's getting the numbers. But in reality, like he do just be running around, yeah, his early friction. And I can't lie, he do just be running around, like the numbers are there. But (laughs) when when he turned now, now I'm thinking about in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, of course. Well, and we were talking about all the guys that might deserve are playing for contracts, he was one of them. And if someone gives him the max, then I don't think they're going very far. No offense to them. Like he can't be a second option on your team. He's a very good, he's a very decent young player, 
But I don't think there's enough to his game for you to be like, here, my guy, here's 120 million or whatever you're looking for and come join us while we pursue pursue a championship. Whereas you can see that with a trade. And if he's like your third or fourth option on the team, you've got a good team with John Collins. But I don't think he's got enough all round, especially when I've seen him play against good teams. His team was very reduced to pick and roll and like bullying down low. I've never seen the ball in his hands and he say, hey, John, go to work. So... That's what I'm expecting when someone's when you're asking for the max contract. So mm. you get more money, but if he deserves it, is another question. Yeah, yeah, you, you make a good point. I think one thing that stands out to me about this Hawks team as well is that they've got a lot of guys on rookie contracts. So obviously they've got Trey, they've got Hunter, they've got Reddish, they've got John Collins. Um, um, they've got decisions to make. Obviously, Trey's a no-brainer. They're going to give him a max. Um, but then, so what are they doing with Reddish? What are they doing with... Herter, uh, what are they doing with Hunter? Um, obviously, I don't know what they're gonna do with John John Collins either. But there's only so much. Actually, you know, there's only so much money to go around in the in the league. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what 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 they do, the decision they make going forward. Listen, we're talking like they've lost already. They haven't. So we'll be interested to see what they come with. Are they playing tonight or are they playing tomorrow? I think it's tonight. They're playing tonight. I think it's yeah. thirty. Okay, so it will be interesting to see what they come with tonight. Um, but it's been a hell of a run. It's been a hell of a run from changing to coach Nate um, and everything they've been able to achieve since. The future is very bright over there. Um, they just need to... Yeah. That, 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 those personnel, who they're going to keep long-term and who they're get able to get... Huh? Alan Norrie came to rob a living. 20 million. 20 million. He's, he's, eating very, he's eating very, very well, boy. Flat-footed as hell. <laughs> let me get some like I've seen the shows people be putting on this players like let me get some but I, yeah you're right and I, and I look and I look at, across to the box and whoever thought Brook Lopez would be this guy who's swishing swishing threes comfortably um, looks a bit even a bit more agile on his feet now than he was younger in his career the way he's been able to remodel his game and adapt because I thought there'd be series when they'd have to drop him and he'd get pulled from the lineup but he's Kept a, yeah. he, sh- he showed, yeah, he's been really, really good, man. Yeah, I've got a lot of um, respect for him. I, I do as well. Him, do. Um, where are you at with Giannis these days, guys? Happy with his performance this off se- uh, this postseason? No, my stance. Listen, Listen. with Giannis, <laughs> okay, no, my look at my shirt. Give not, him, not no, 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 give him his credit where his credit is due. However, mm. him being successful in doing something does not mean that he doesn't need to improve or doesn't need to mm. add things to his game. People are like, such a false dichotomy, like, oh, they won and he dropped 40. He doesn't need a post game. No, he still does. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't negate the fact that he can add things to his game. But I really hope that the Bucks make the finals. I think they will. And this is, uh, you know, people were, people were running around like, oh, Yanis, he hasn't won a championship yet. And and I told people he's 26 years old. Uh, in fact, if it one of the earlier podcasts we did this 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 uh this year, I think it may have even been one of my first or second uh podcasts with you guys. I said we discussed Luca versus Yanis. We did a poll at the start of the year, and I was saying like the, the NBA audience is on crack. I don't know why they think Luca is better than Yanis. Not to say Luca isn't good because obviously he is, but Yanis is clearly better. And I remember saying on on that episode, uh, you know, he's only twenty five or twenty six. All these other players. Uh, that, that you guys' favourite players ever didn't win championships until like year 10, year 11 or whatever, I have no doubt in my mind that he will figure it out. And here we are at the end of that season and it's looking like they're going to go to the NBA Finals. So this is just a reminder to people 
give these players time. They can't win championships in two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you know how, but you know how the po- you know how the postseason is. So a guy will have two great series, and people will be singing their praises. The minute that he has a poor series, they're a fraud and forget about <laughs> everything they've done. You know, NBA, NBA fans are so reactive. NBA it's, fans are so so reactive in regards. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's, 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 it's tiring. It's hilarious, but it's it's quite tiring. And the memes come out. And Paul George, for all his all his um, critics and what whatnot, he's had a great playoffs. If we're if we're being if we're being fair to him, and no matter what happens in terms of the next couple of games, um, you have to give him his credit for that. But I think he's almost an exception. I feel people they've made their bed with Paul George, and there's not they really anything he can do to change their minds. So yeah. when he plays well, silence. When he played badly, what did they tell you about them? Paul George? Listen, How about them I've been telling you. <laughs> I've been telling. I've been telling people. So they don't waste cool on Paul George. But back to Yanis real quick. I was like, let me wrap yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you see my shirt if you be watching. It's a Nigeria shirt. I know we. I know it's colonized the name to the Greek alliteration, whatever it might be. But yeah, you see Yanis. They were telling me he had no bag. And yeah, I was like, this is a, this is a, this is a very big bag then because there's two MVPs in it. And one defensive player of the year, and it should be another one. In there. <laughs> he, might, he might get two more. I can't lie. And so he probably could have been at the top three. He was the top three MVP guy this year. Or he should have been. So for me, Yanis has been sensational. Obviously, like Greg said, he must provide some nuance. He can improve on some things, blah, 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 blah. But this is a man when he came into the league. He came, he came to the NBA from the Greek fourth division. And we were probably the same weight. And he's foot. So take from that what you will. And I'm clearly not. So you see, Yanis, that's a si- I can't believe our listeners. We love you all. Please continue to keep tuning in. But you sickos on the poll who put Luca ahead of Yanis, the reckoning day is coming. Because I've been telling you, I can't, we said when Greg came on the pod and they and they voted Luca ahead, you people just like the sexy stuff, the spin moves, the step backs, all that jazz. Yanis got a nice little spin move in him. It's like a Beyblade. You just keep spinning <laughs> over there, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me don't give me that spin move nah, Big baby Davis a better spin that, move than him that spin move is nice man give him some credit K nah. man okay, this, of course he's the spin yeah, move is nice it's just that the defense knows it's coming 50% of the time someone, 50% of the time it looks sweet <laughs> yeah but you but you sickos that were telling me that Luca is better why Oh, because he can shoot. Back. You know what? People don't listen. Listen, this is the thing. People don't care about defending. I just wish they'd say it with their chest rather than pretending that they did. If you the game is distinctly split into two halves, yeah, and you influence the game on both ends. So if Correct. one player is elite at one end and the end where you're a non-entity, and then you're transcendent, you're transcendent on the end which they're very good. They're clearly a better basketball player than you. Preach. They're clearly a better basketball player. And that's how hey, that's how I've always that's how I've always seen it. But what people do is transcendent offense uh, is able to cover up for a lack of defense. But that's half the game. Friend. Half the game you're playing with that poor defense. So it doesn't matter how many threes or you understand. You're scoring thirty, but you're giving up thirty. So imagine a center. <laughs> imagine a center have never gone to a pickup game of basketball and heard whose man is that screamed at them. <laughs> <laughs> man is that listen, Greg? We've both been there, yeah. And I don't know how critical it is for me to tell you. Both sides of the ball matters, and I've been at times to say that it doesn't matter. We pick and choose. But imagine having a player that's transcendent on offense and also seven foot, but don't play defense. You're the biggest guy on the court, 
and you're telling me oh he's adequate nah come on bro I won't say any names because we know who we're talking about. We know who you're fine. talking about. We'll see. We'll see. I think, could, I think they can win a chip with him as their best player, but, we'll, but they'll have to build a, they'll have to build they'll have a to quite solid roster of defenders. They will do. They will do. And I think his offensive game allows you to... He'll, he'll get a guy who's a 10-point-per-game a scorer on a normal team to, to, to a 15-point-per-game scorer. And his court vision and the way he can make the whole offense in the half-court and in the open-court revolve around him. That's Listen, man... One. Um, we'll see. We'll see. That that's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to tonight's game three. I'm expecting the Hawks to come back because, like you said, we know Bud is capable of um, messing up the best devised schemes, his own best devised schemes. Um, and Greg, listen, man, we'll, we'll talk soon, brother. Soon, it is coming. <laughs> listen, I have no <sighs> issue with those time to make in the finals. It's just Cliff Paul. Seems to be the one getting all the accolades. <laughs> when in reality, this is a very solid basketball team. So, you think I won't bring out a Devin Booker jersey for, for, for next game? <laughs> you think I won't be famous <laughs> like you, Kenyon? Let me forget when you bought a, a Steph Curry jersey. Don't Listen, try you it. Have no shame. You have no shame on this podcast. So, when you're buying it, let me know because I'll chip in. You, you get the vacuum joint, I'll get the cocaine white joint, and we'll be Booker Stand together. But I need my guys on that team to get their respect. Yeah, I mean, extremely I'm glad solid you mentioned team. that. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Like, myself and Greg were big Chris Paul fans. Even we're like, come on, this has to end at some point. It's like, he's not playing um, in the game one and two wins. It's like, Chris Paul carried them through this win. Chris Paul carried them through this win. I when were they like this? When did they... <laughs> They were telling me that no, a 40, 10, and 10. <laughs> the performance, 40, the performance of his life. <laughs> and they were telling him Chris Paul. They were, they that were was all Chris Paul. He was doing everything. They told me Chris Paul was giving out kids' first haircuts. And they're telling me that he was, he was feeding the homeless on the MBE flow. All are not being there. But now, nah, man, we need to give these guys their respect. And I've been saying it even before. From even the bubble will be tricking people, blah, blah, blah. But from then, we can clearly see there is solid foundation and they were hitting their stride. And Chris Paul was actually the perfect vet for to, to join their team because there are many exactly. vets in this league who can make teams better. But the type of vet he is, they just needed someone to provide the stability because the ball was in, is in Booker's hands 90% of the time. And we know he can make difficult shots. But when you've got a, another player like Chris Paul who controls the ball, turns over the ball very, very minimally, not only do you get easier shots, so you're playing fantastic on that side as well. When the time comes for you to now take those difficult shots, you've had a game of easy shots to make all games. So you're already in rhythm. You're not coming in ice cold to try and make difficult shots over two people. So when you see Booker making these one-leggers, all these fadeaways, all these quick jumpers, that's when he's playing well, of course. That all comes from the element of control that Chris Paul provides because he knows the ball doesn't have to be in his hands and it's not all his load because the team's actually very is made to give people easy shots. And then when the time comes for him to make a hard shot or they need a bucket, here you go. You have the freedom. So, yeah, we need to give people the credit, especially exactly, for once to get that happen. And I think with this playoff run, Aiton's really got himself in that top table of centres conversation. I think he's just getting onto the table, couple taking, come, taking a little nibble of the snacks and running off. But he's getting himself in that top table of centres conversations. You've got... Macau Bridges, who's obviously a great defender and his offensive game is improving as well. You've got Cam Johnson as well, who's coming off the bench and again offers that same sort of um athletic defender who can hit down his threes at a good at a good clip. So they've got a they've got a good situation campaign who 
has turned his life champagne around. Champagne campaign. Champagne campaign. He's he's turned his life around in, in ways that anyone who watched him a couple of years ago it would be absolutely stunned that he's a key player for a team that is one win away from getting to the NBA Finals. But listen, man, the Suns have done things the right way. James Jones, Executive of the Year. Um, they're good. They're good. It's, it, it, it's been brilliant. And um, with that, I want to thank you both for your time this afternoon. Greg, a pleasure as always. Thank you. Thank you. Remain calm, Greg. And <laughs> Kay, I want to I wanna thank you for your time this afternoon. Of course, man. Anytime. I will be back. We'll, we'll see you in game one of the finals. Eh? Listen, I'll be there with, with my Valley t-shirt as well. Suns in five, baby. Suns in five. Suns in five. All right, boys. Peace, man. Nice one. Podcast Network.